0: Buckle up and let's get started on today's podcast. Good afternoon, everyone, or good morning, depending on where you're listening from and what time you're listening at. I hope you've all had a great day so far. And today we are talking about a much anticipated topic I think I've had about 100 requests for this one so far. So today we are going to talk about bloating. But first, I just wanted to do a little bit of a recap on gut health. So if you guys haven't listened to my podcast that I recorded on gut health, please go back and listen to that one first before you listen to this one on bloating. The gut health one, really just establish the foundations on gut health, you know, what's normal, when is the problem a problem, um, and that sort of thing. So I recommend listening to it before this one on bloating, just so it, um, you have a little bit of a better understanding about gut health first. Um, so I guess that we've known for many years that our gut is It's really important for digestion. Digestion of our food, absorption of our nutrients, but our gut is very complicated. It has a lot of functions, um, and some of them we're not even aware of just yet, you know? So our gut environment, it's this really complex mix of nerve connections and chemical reactions and interactions. It's actually got its own bacterial population. So the functioning of our gut not only governs the absorption of nutrients, but it also modulates our immune system. It influences our brain and other parts of our body, such as our skin, our muscles, and our joints. So when it comes to bloating, there are there are many, 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 I guess, like pathophysiological mechanisms that have been suggested to be the reason for bloating from the medical community. So these things include um, things like excessive intestinal gas accumulation, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO, um, abnormal gut microbiota, altered gut motility, impaired gas handling, fluid retention, abnormal abdominal refluxes, visceral hypersensitivity, food intolerances, malabsorption of carbohydrates, constipation, and other psychological factors including things like stress. So that was all a mouthful, but you can see that there's a huge list of things that may potentially cause bloating, and in other people, we actually just don't know what causes it. and. bottom line is we kind of don't really know how to fix it either which is i guess the biggest problem for a lot of people who suffer from quite bad chronic bloating um so when people tell me that they get bloated the first thing i generally tend to think about is their gut health so let me first start by being very very clear to you guys that bloating is normal let me say that again bloating is completely normal for most part so when you eat food some of us get a little bit bloated. In fact most of us get a little bit bloated or have that sensation of of feeling food in our stomach. So this is normal. What's not normal is having bloating which is associated with um, I guess other conditions like constipation or diarrhea or just that chronic abdominal pain as well. So. I like to work with my clients by sort of finding out what the causes of the bloating. And in the majority of my clients, I find that it's really related to bowel issues like constipation or just really sluggish bowels which cause um, bloating or food intolerances. And generally, you find that if we fix the bowel issue or we find the foods that people are sensitive to, the bloating seems to reduce. Um, But please remember, bloating will never 100% go away. Um, It's like your IBS symptoms. You can never cure it completely because bloating, a little bit of bloating is normal. Um, And that's just a normal part of life, just like farting. Yeah, guys, farting is normal too. You know, despite what many men and women want to believe, wind and bloating are a normal part of life. So I guess, when does bloating really become a problem? I sort of think of it when there's a lot of pain associated with it, Um, when it gets so bad that, you know, you can't do up your jeans or you have to change clothes, or when it starts to affect your quality of life and you just don't want to leave the house or socialize because you're just you know so bloated all the time that it starts to affect your social life so My first tip just like i talked about in my gut health podcast is to go and see your gp or your doctor first and ensure that you've been screened for things like celiac disease before you go and start eliminating different things from your diet now my second tip is to try and find the cause of the bloating generally from um, a condition perspective so more often than not it's related to our bowels or the foods that we eat so if you find that you've you're more um, constipation predominant person Fix the constipation with things like adequate fiber, adequate fluid, and just some gentle movement and physical activity. All these three things help constipation. And then once you find that the constipation is improved, I'm sure that you'll also find in most cases the bloating improves as well. Now, if you're somebody that's more diarrhea predominant, um, some of the strategies that I talk about in this podcast may be quite helpful for you, but please ensure that you've been screamed by your GP if you're somebody who experiences um, chronic diarrhea quite often. So that's probably the first place that I like to start when um, somebody complains about their bloating. And more often than not, when we see our GP, a lot of us are given the all clear, um, but we're still left with some gut symptoms like severe bloating. Um, So a lot of studies show that about 90% of people who have been diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome or IBS, and I'm one of those people, guys, 90% of those people suffer from bloating. 90%. So what about those people that don't have IBS or have been screened by their doctor and they've been told that there's nothing wrong, which is great, but they still have symptoms like bloating. What do they do? Well, doctors can actually diagnose you with what they call functional bloating. So it's based off what we call the Rome 3 criteria. So to receive a diagnosis of functional bloating, you need to have um, the following criteria. So recurrent feelings of bloating or visible distension for at least three days per month. You need to have an onset of symptoms at least six months prior to diagnosis. You need to have the presence of your symptoms for at least three months, and you need to have insufficient criteria to establish a diagnosis of IBS, um, functional dyspepsia, or any other functional gastrointestinal or GI disorder. So basically, to be diagnosed with functional bloating, you need to have experienced bloating or visible distension for at least six months, at least three days of each of those months, and not fit into any other criteria for any other GI disorders. So if this sounds like you, chances are, you may have functional bloating. But as previously mentioned to you guys, I'm not a doctor and I can't give you um, a diagnosis or much more advice than this. So please do go back and see your doctor. But what I can offer you guys today are some tips and tricks that I've picked up along the way from being a gut health dietitian and also from suffering from IBS and bloating myself for over 10 years now. So I just want to end this little first segment by saying that um, if you haven't been diagnosed with IBS, if you don't have another functional GI disorder or condition and you don't seem to fit into that functional bloating criteria, perhaps just take a moment to think about whether your bloating may perhaps just be normal. Remember, we all get a little bit bloated, um, but when there are things like pain associated with the bloating, when you struggle to fit into your clothes on a regular basis or you seem to resemble a six month pregnant lady on a regular basis, there may be some things that we can do to try and reduce your bloating on a day to day basis. My first two tips have absolutely nothing to do with food. There's no I know you guys want like the magic pill or the quick fix to fix your bloating, but I've never ever been one to tell you guys BS, so I'm not going to start today. So dietary wise, there are a lot of things that we can do to help with bloating, but my first two tips are completely um, non-food related. And these are two things that I see that make the biggest difference for bloating, but and I don't know why, people just refuse to act on them. You know, they'd rather cut out all these different foods than do these two simple tips. And honestly, it baffles me because I know how helpful they are. Now, these two things are managing your stress levels and chewing your food properly. Yep, you guys had me, chewing your food properly. Honestly, you guys have no idea how much of an impact Eating your food slowly and actually chewing it properly has on your digestion and bloating. People have waited months to see me in my gut health clinic for me to tell them to meditate and chew their food. I literally don't do anything else. I don't touch their food intake at all and their bloating improves. So please note here, guys, that I said improves. I didn't say cured. You know, you will always have a small amount of bloating. As I've mentioned, it is totally normal. So the goal with bloating and IBS symptoms in general are just to reduce them from um, the starting point and have them at a much more manageable level day to day. Um, We can never really cure something like bloating because it is, you know, it is normal. So please keep that in mind. And also certain high fiber foods in your diet will always make you feel a little bit bloated. But I never want to you know, 100% cut these out because high fiber foods are really, really essential to a healthy diet and they're essential for a healthy gut microbiome. So my first tip for you guys is to slow down, chew your food and just relax. Stress has a huge impact on your gut health and on bloating. I'm actually going to do an entire podcast on the effects of stress on your gut health, but please for now, just trust me. If you're a stressed or an anxious person please go and do some meditation, go and do some yoga or go and speak with a professional like a psychologist. Just please guys, manage your stress, chew your food properly before you try anything else. Because I promise you, you're honestly just wasting your time and other strategies. If you're continuously gulping down your food and you're constantly stressed, you're always going to have bloating and other gut issues. Alright now, the second half of this podcast, let's talk about food things that we can do that um, can maybe increase or decrease our bloating. So the first one that has an effect on bloating is fiber. So too little or too much fiber can make bloating worse. So too little fiber often causes constipation and sluggish bowels. And when things don't move through you properly, of course you're gonna feel bloated. So the top tips to improve constipation and sluggish bowels are to eat more fiber, drink more water, and move your body. Those are the three things that help with constipation, fiber, fluid, and physical activity. Now, on the opposite spectrum, too much fiber can actually cause bloating as well, especially in people with a sensitive gut. So if you've identified that you're not eating enough fiber, I want you guys to increase your intake really slowly. Your gut needs time to adjust to the increases in fiber. So don't go from eating, say like 10 grams of fiber a day to 30 grams of fiber a day, really gradually increase your fiber intake because if you do it too quickly, it can make things like bloating and wind worse. And then typically, With too much fiber in the diet, I see this a lot with people following um, vegan and vegetarian diets or that have a huge plant-based focus in their diet. Um, This is absolutely wonderful and it's the best way to live a healthy lifestyle, but for some people, it's just a little bit too much fiber. So in general, men should aim to consume about 30 grams of fiber a day and women, on the other hand, should aim for about 25 grams of fiber. That's sort of what's written in the literature, but in my experience, the majority of women can actually quite easily tolerate 30 grams of fiber a day, especially if you're more on that constipation or um sort of sluggish bowel um spectrum but if you're somebody that gets too much fiber perhaps um, take it back to about maybe 25 grams a day and see how you go so if you're unsure how much fiber you're getting and let's be honest the majority of us are um track your fiber intake for a day use an app Um, you know, something simple like MyFitnessPal, for example, and just sort of track the foods that you're eating just for a day to see on average how much fiber you're getting in. If it's too little or too much, try slowly, slowly guys, increasing or decreasing your fiber intake to see if that makes a difference to your bloating. Now, if you're consuming too much, or if you're consuming too little and you're increasing it, you need to be mindful to also increase your water intake at the same time. If you're increasing your fiber, but not your fluid intake, Trust me, guys, you're gonna run into some problems, and it could be worse than when you first started. So, please, 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 um, if you're thinking about increasing your fiber intake, also increase your water intake and make sure you're getting some movement as well. And that just helps everything move through your bowels properly. So that's fiber in a nutshell and how it can affect your bloating. And now I'm going to run through some other things that really can affect bloating as well. But probably my biggest tip for you guys is not to try everything at once because you'll never really know what had an effect and what didn't. So just go through these tips one by one for a week or two and see if they make a difference to your bloating. So next we're going to talk about um, gas producing foods. So certain foods are known to produce more gas and this in turn can make you feel more bloated or distended. So foods like uh, beans, pulses, cabbage, cauliflower, even things like onions and artichokes um, can make you feel uh, more bloated and more gassy. So my tip here is not to cut them all out entirely. All of these foods are really, really healthy foods and they're a great addition to your diet. And they're the types of foods that really provide fuel for our gut bacteria. And this is so important guys, for overall gut health. So instead of cutting them all out, first try by just reducing the overall load of these foods in your diet. So as an example, um, with my IBS and my bloating, I would never make a meal that has beans and cauliflower and cabbage in it all together. Is A, I'd look like I was eight months pregnant after the meal, and B, I'm gonna suffer bloating, wind and cramping, like, Probably for the next day or two. So instead of cutting all of these foods out in my diet, I'll just use a really small amount. So I might have a meal that has a lot of, um, you know, very uh, foods that are very safe for my sort of gut to handle and just add a small amount of beans in or a small amount of cauliflower or just a little bit of cabbage in a meal. Say so I'll have a little bit of Mexican, I'll sort of pick around the beans and the cabbage and I won't eat them all, but I won't completely reduce them as well. So just look at reducing the overall load of these foods in your diet or just using like one of these. Foods foods per recipe, or if you're quite sensitive, just sort of one of these foods in a small amount per day. Um, So that's, I guess, you know, gas producing foods, like they're really healthy foods, but yes, they do um, create, I guess, symptoms in more sensitive people. So my next tip for you guys is around bloating um, for lactose. So lactose is something that can, can affect bloating and bowels in a lot of people. So a lot of people, again, including myself, suffer from a lactose intolerance. It's probably one of the most common intolerances in the world. Now, this isn't a dairy problem. You don't need to go dairy free. So the protein in dairy, cow's milk protein, it's generally responsible for a very, very, very small percentage of people's problems when it comes to gut issues. It's generally not the milk protein that's the issue. It's the lactose component. So it's often the carbohydrate lactose, which is the issue. So a lot of people actually struggle to break down the lactose in dairy products as they lack enough of the enzyme lactase to do this. So lactose free products, are very healthy additions to your diet and the lactose free products include the lactase enzyme. And this lactase enzyme helps people to break down the lactose. So you can also take lactase tablets before you eat a meal that has a high amount of lactose in it. So say you were particularly sensitive to lactose but you loved ice cream, you could take a lactase tablet which has a lactase enzymes in them before you went out and had some ice cream and it would basically reduce or um, you wouldn't get any symptoms from that. So I personally can handle a small amount of milk like if I was having say like a dash of milk in tea but if I was going to buy go out and buy like a whole takeaway coffee made on milk I'd actually ask for lactose-free milk because I can't handle that much normal milk so perhaps if you find um, that dairy products give you a little bit of grief or make your bloating worse instead of cutting out dairy altogether because dairy can be a wonderful addition to your diet um, try swapping these dairy products for just lactose-free varieties for a few weeks and see if it makes a difference. So you can get things like lactose-free milk, lactose-free yogurt, lactose-free ice cream, and also lactose-free cream. Um, But don't go out and waste your money buying lactose-free cheese, guys, because hard cheeses like cheddar and parmesan are actually naturally very, very low in lactose. So people can actually tolerate most hard cheeses just fine. You actually don't need to go out and spend extra money by buying like a lactose-free variety of hard cheese. Um, So most people are fine with harder cheeses, and same with yogurt, the runnier the yogurts, the higher the lactose content, but the thicker the yogurt, the lower the lactose content. So a lot of people sort of come to me and they say, I can't handle milk at all, but I can have a bit of Greek yogurt and I can have a bit of like cheese on my on my sandwich for lunchtime. And it's because of the, the amount of lactose in those products. So milk um, being sort of like the thinnest variety has the highest amount of lactose. So most people can tolerate a bit of yogurt and a bit of hard cheese throughout the day, but might need to go for a lactose free milk if they're having, um, you know, milk and cereal or porridge or in their coffees. So that's another thing to think about when it comes to bloating um, and some bowel issues as well, guys, is lactose. So next on my list is uh, sugar free products diet products so artificial sweeteners are well known to cause diarrhea in excess consumption but what i think a lot of people don't realize is that for people with sensitive tummies or gut issues even just a small amount of these artificial sweeteners can cause bloating and other gut issues now i particularly find that sugar alcohols are some of the worst types of sweeteners for bloating so sugar alcohols are generally the types of sweeteners that end in toll so things like sorbitol mannitol and xylitol Now these types of sweeteners are commonly listed on things like uh, diet soft drinks, uh, sugar-free chocolate, even even things like your protein powders. So take a really good look at your nutrition labels and remove or reduce any of the sugar alcohols um, that you're consuming in your diet and see if that helps. I typically find a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm so healthy, I'm doing all the right things, but they've got a lot of sugar alcohols in things like protein powders, protein bars and even some of the health food bars um, to keep the amount of sugar and carbohydrates lower in the product um, you know it might be like a high protein bar or a high protein bliss ball or something like that will use a lot of sugar alcohols in the product so definitely check your nutrition labels guys and look for the sugar alcohols like sorbitol mannitol and xylitol and um, try reducing them for a few weeks in your diet and see if that makes a difference to your bloating as well next on my list is bubbly drinks so limiting carbonated drinks to limit bloating so this is really any drinks with bubbles in them. So they can be healthy drinks or unhealthy drinks. So things like champagne, soda water, energy drinks, soft drinks, diet soft drinks or normal soft drinks, even kombucha can be known to cause problems in really sensitive people because the bubbles can make the bloating worse. So you guys know me, I harp on all the time about water being the best fluid and the number one fluid you should drink every single day. So just try and avoid drinking large amounts of even healthy drinks like soda water, like people like, oh, but it's so healthy. But of course, if something's got a lot of bubbles and carbonation in it, it's gonna make your bloating worse. So again, try and cut out all the bubbly and carbonated drinks for a few weeks and see if that makes a difference. Now, my final three tips for you guys, they're pretty self-explanatory, so I'm just gonna whiz through them really quickly. The first one is limiting large meals. Obviously, the bigger the meal, the more bloated you're gonna get. So I personally find that for myself, five to six smaller meals a day suits me a lot better. Um, Also avoid taking in excess air. Um, So I've talked about this a lot on my Instagram and my Instagram stories. So excess air through um, constantly chewing gum or using a straw to drink all of your drinks. That can um, make your, I guess, stomach taking additional air, which can cause more bloating. And then finally, the last thing I wanted to really quickly touch on was FODMAPs. So FODMAPs are types of uh, rapidly digestible carbohydrates. They can make bloating worse, but it's not something that I have time to talk about today. And I'm gonna do an entire other podcast on FODMAPs and IBS because the majority of people don't actually need fodmaps as the first line defense in IPS. There are so many other things that we can do first, and you need to be working really closely with a, a dietitian who's um, skilled in gut health and FODMAPs before you do this anyway. So I'm not gonna touch on that today, um, but that's just something to bear in mind if you've sort of tried everything else. Um, so my final, final, final tip is to reduce the amount of processed or deep fried and takeaway foods that you eat. So in my experience, clients with more processed foods in their diet, more takeaways, more deep fried foods, they always have worse bloating. So try and prioritize whole foods over processed foods any day. So they're my food based tips for you guys today. So quickly to recap, we talked about what bloating was, What's normal, what's not? We talked about chewing your food properly and reducing your stress levels. Two of the biggest tips that I have for you guys. Uh, We talked about, or we discussed too little or too much fiber. We talked about what foods are more windy and gas sort of producing foods. We talked about uh, reducing these foods, but not eliminating them. And then finally, we whizzed through lactose, sugar, alcohols, carbonated drinks, and limiting large meals. So I hope that... uh, I hope that that was helpful for you guys and you learned something today. So to finish up, I'm going to be answering some listener questions around bloating. So a couple of people sent me some questions through my Instagram stories. Um, I put a bit of a call out and said, send me some questions to answer on bloating. So I'm just going to answer about four or five of them today. So the first question from Lily was, when IBS symptoms flare and they lead to painful bloating, how can I ease the discomfort? So Lily, unfortunately once we have quite bad bloating um, there's no real proven science or evidence to support anything that will sort of immediately make it go away. Um, So unfortunately there's a lot of things that we can do to try and reduce it from happening but there's nothing that we can do that can um, sort of immediately help to ease the discomfort. I personally have found things like sipping on peppermint tea or tea with um, a bit of licorice root in it can really help to soothe a bloated tummy. I also find that a lot of the time my stomach it gets quite hard and distended and I have a lot of gas in my tummy and I sort of find that just trying to massage my tummy a little bit and push those sort of gases down a little bit can help, um, just can help as well because I get a lot of pain as well associated with that. Obviously there's no like science or evidence to back these things up. These are just things I personally find that have helped me in the past Um, and there have been a little bit of studies on things like gas relieving tablets and other products like Iberogast that they sell in um, different pharmacies. I've read really mixed evidence and mixed reviews about these things. I haven't really found anything conclusive. I personally tried them myself, didn't really find that they helped. And I've had a lot of clients try them with very mixed results. You know, some say that they help, but the majority of them say that they don't really help. So I sort of think the best thing I do is just relax, maybe go for a gentle walk, try to get everything moving and just sip on peppermint or licorice root tea. They're probably my biggest tips for you today, Lily. And just trying to go back through this podcast and um, have another listen and sort of try to work out some of the things that may may cause your bloating to be worse. Alright, so the second question was from DJ. I seem to bloat from the minute I wake up and drink something or eat something. I wake up with a flat stomach, I start eating and boom, my stomach pops out. Why? So as I mentioned, and this used to happen to me, which is why I'm laughing, it's definitely not funny, but this happened to me for many, many years until I sort of figured out what my triggers were for bloating. So as I've mentioned, um, bloating is normal. So when we eat something, we're always gonna feel a little bit bloated or we're always gonna feel like there's a bit of food in our stomach, especially if we're drinking a lot of fluid with our meal. So probably my top tips are, if you sort of feel bloated after every meal, try eating smaller meals a little bit more regularly rather than large meals. Try reducing the fiber content of some of your meals, chew your food properly, slow down and spread your fluids away from your meals and see if that helps. Um, You know, typically I might see people have like three or four cups of coffee in the morning and then a huge breakfast and then they end up feeling quite bloated and they wonder why. Um, So another tip that I could give you is perhaps keep a food and symptom diary and try to see if there are any Particular foods that make you feel more bloated than other types of foods Um, But typically at breakfast time I guess the things that I would see most commonly that uh, sort of make people's bloating or gut symptoms a lot worse are Having things like too much fruit or too much juice at breakfast So excess fruit and juice can actually cause um, a lot of gut symptoms like diarrhea and excess bloating Too much fiber at breakfast if you're someone who blitzes up a smoothie with all this fruit and like all these seeds and nuts and that sort of thing it may contribute to some bloating too many artificial sweeteners so check things like your protein powders um, and even some cereals these days um, for any sort of artificial sweetness paying particular attention to our sugar alcohols and just limiting the amounts of cups and tea, uh, cups of tea and coffee that you have at breakfast as well um are probably my top tips for um just I find that people say like, you know, I wake up with a really flat stomach and then I start eating breakfast and boom, I've really got bad bloating. So they're just my top tips for breakfast time, I guess, in terms of trying to help out some people who experience quite bad bloating. Now, the next question is from Beck. So is there any truth to the food combining concept to help bloating? Well, Beck, in the most simplest of terms, no, there's no evidence to prove this theory of food combining. So I guess the biggest thing that I see wrong with this theory is that it solely refers to digestion happening in our gut, whereas we know that digestion actually begins in our mouth. It flows through to our stomach and our gut, and it actually continues on into our small intestine, and to some extent, even into our large intestine. So food isn't just digested in our stomach, like advocates for this food combining diet believe. I think what's really important to note is that you need to chew your food properly because proper digestion actually begins in your mouth. So further to this, people who support this sort of theory of food combining believes that protein requires an acidic environment for digestion and carbs require a more basic environment for digestion. So they say that when you're eating these foods together, they sort of cancel each other out and nothing gets digested. It just sort of like sits in your stomach. That's just simply not true. Um, our bodies contain all of the necessary enzymes to break down proteins fats and carbs together at the same time so just a really simple example of this um, so amylase which is found in our saliva breaks down carbohydrates whereas peptin and trypsin which is in our stomachs they break down our protein so let's just put this to bed and bust this myth all together the theory of food combining to assist digestion and bloating um, is absolutely not true um, your body Can is is a wonderful tool and it has all the right um, tools and enzymes and that sort of thing to allow your body to break down um, any type of food, um, whether you eat it together or whether you eat it separately. So the final question is from Martini. So she asked, why is bloating so bad during our time of month? So this is a great question. And Martina, you are definitely not alone. Most women suffer from symptoms of bloating and other gut and bowel complaints during or um, just before their time of month. So bloating before and during a period um, results from changes in uh, the levels of the sex hormones, progesterone and estrogen. So about a week before a women's period starts, the levels of the hormone progesterone start to fall. So reduced levels of progesterone actually cause the uterus to strut its lining, which is what? Um, brings on your period. But along with this, the changes in progesterone and estrogen levels actually cause the body to um, retain more water and salt. And this actually makes the cells become more swollen with water. And this is what causes that feeling of um, being bloated. There's quite a few studies to show that women retain most water and experience the worst bloating The day before and on the first day of their period. So, basically, um, if you want to try and limit this or mitigate this in some way, what I generally suggest for my clients around period bloating is to reduce the amount of salt consumed in the days leading up to your period and the first sort of day or two. Salt really acts like a sponge in your body, so it holds onto the water in your body, which can make you feel more bloated. So eat plenty of fresh and wholesome foods, and try to avoid processed and packaged foods, and even canned products um, and processed foods and meats because they're typically quite high in salt. Because these types of foods use salt as a preservative or as a shelf stabilizer. So try to avoid even things like bread can have a lot of um, can have a lot of salt in it. Canned veggies as well. Make sure you're washing them really well and um, anything basically that comes in a packet um, or is a more processed type of food will have more salt in it than a whole food like a fruit and a veggie or... um I don't know some fish or something from the deli so that's sort of my biggest tip around bloating and um, your time a month is to try and reduce the amount of salt that you're consuming for a few days to so that your body doesn't hold on to um, sort of too much water and make that sort of feeling of bloating worse so that's all the questions that I've got time for today guys but just quickly I really wanted to um, tell you about a really exciting offer that I've just launched so being a specialist gut health dietitian I want to help you guys using the latest science and the latest evidence to improve Improve your symptoms and your gut conditions so I've actually decided to offer worldwide gut health consultations I see so much BS online and it honestly it breaks my heart to hear stories of people investing so much money in dodgy unqualified practitioners I need to help you guys and for so long I've said no I don't do one-on-one consults but now I've just I've just become so fed up I've heard so many horrible stories about so many people wasting so much money online that. I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna offer you guys consults. So up until now, I've only ever offered um, one-on-one coaching in my premium 12-week Lean Gut Mind Method program. Um, And I've truly, uh, basically, I've chosen to do that because I honestly believe that um, my clients, women in particular, need 12 full weeks to get the maximum benefits out of um, just health-changing behavior. But now I've just come to this point where I need to help you guys. So what I'm going to do is offer worldwide gut health consultations in a package of three consults only. I'm not going to do one-off consults because it would just waste your time and it'll waste my time. We simply can't achieve anything on a one-off consult in such a short period of time. Gut health is just far too complex. So if you guys are interested in a three-package gut health consult with me, and I'm offering that worldwide, please send me an email at info at leanneward.com dot com dot au that's info at l-e-a-n-n-e w-a-r-d dot com dot au and just make the um the email line gut health consults i get a lot of emails so at least I'll, i'll pick that up quite quickly or alternatively just send me a dm or a message on instagram um please don't comment on my photos i tend to miss some of the comments guys but if you slide into my dms i'll i should be able to pick that um that pick that message up All right, guys, that is all from me today. I really hope that you enjoyed this podcast on bloating. I hope that I taught you something new, even if just learning that a little bit of bloating is normal and and what is not normal and what, you know, what is normal and what you can do about it as well. So um, as always, please, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend that you think may benefit from it. And please leave me a rating or review and I will be forever grateful to you guys. And I will catch you in my next podcast.